0: the air the strangeness of interplanetary space and the sombre mystery of it pressed upon him like an illimitable and deserted ocean the sun was a tiny white disk on his right hanging between rosy coronal wings his native earth a bright greenish point suspended in the dark gulf below it mars nearer smaller a little ochre speck above the shrunken sun above him Below him, in all directions, was vastness, blackness, emptiness, ebon infinity, sprinkled with far-cold stars. Thad was alone, utterly alone. No man was visible in all the supernal vastness of space. And no work of man, save the few tools of his daring trade, and the glittering little rocket, bolted to the black iron behind him. It was terrible, to think that the nearest human being must be tens of millions of miles away. On his first trips the loneliness had been terrible, unendurable. Now he was becoming accustomed to it. At least he no longer feared that he was going mad. But sometimes. Thad shook himself and spoke aloud, his voice ringing hollow in his huge metal helmet. Brace up, old top, in good company. When you're by yourself, as Dad used to say. Be back in Helion in a week or so, anyhow. Look up Dan and Chuck and the rest of the crowd again at Comet's Place. What price a friendly boxing match with Mason, or an evening at the Teleview Theater? Fresh air instead of this stale synthetic stuff. Real food in place of these tasteless concentrates. Hot bath instead of greasing yourself. Too dull out here. "'Life!' He broke off, set his jaw. No use thinking about such things, only made it worse. Besides, how did he know that a whirring meteor wasn't going to flash him out before he got back? He drew his right arm out of the bulging sleeve of the suit, into its ample interior, found a cigarette in an inside pocket, and lighted it. The smoke swirled about in the helmet, drawn swiftly into the air-filters. "'Damn clever, these suits,' he murmured. "'Food, smokes, water generator—all where you can reach them. And darned expensive, too. I'd better be looking for pay-metal.' He clambered to a better position, stood peering out into space, searching for the tiny gleam of sunlight on a meteoric fragment that might be worth capturing for its content of precious metals. For an hour he scanned the black, star strewn gulf, as the sputtering rocket continued to drive him forward there she glows he cried suddenly and grinned before him was a tiny glowing fleck that moved among the unchanging stars he stared at it intensely breathing faster in the helmet always he thrilled to see such a moving gleam what treasure it promised at first sight it was impossible to determine size or distance or rate of motion It might be ten thousand tons of rich metal—a fortune. It would, more probably, prove to be a tiny, stony mass not worth capturing. It might even be large and valuable, but moving so rapidly that he could not overtake it with the power of the diminutive Millen rocket. He studied the tiny speck intently, with practiced eye, as the minutes passed. An untrained eye would never have seen it at all among the flaming hosts of stars. Skillfully he judged from its apparent rate of motion and its slow increase in brilliance its size and distance from him Must be Must be fair size he spoke aloud at length a hundred tons. I'll bet my helmet but scooting along pretty fast Stretched the old rocket to run it down He clambered back to the rocket changed the angle of the flaming exhaust to drive him directly across the path of the object ahead fill the magazine again with the little pellets of uranite, which were fed automatically into the combustion chamber, and increased the firing rate. The trailing blue flame reached farther backward from the incandescent orifice of the exhaust. The vibration of the metal sphere increased. Thad left the sputtering rocket and went back where he could see the object before him. It was nearer now, rushing obliquely across his path. Would he be in time to capture it as it passed, or would it hurtle by a hand?